what she's saying. So you need to plan your life to live well. If you don't plan your life to live well, you will plan your life in dysfunction. So today we're going to work on helping you to learn how to plan to live your life well and how to die well. Lots of people in life are self-destructing and you don't have to. So I'm going to suggest to you for a couple more Sundays, we're working in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It is a very practical, rich, because today we look at a tremendous miracle. So I'm saying to you, number one, because God loves you, write this down. The day that you die, you get a new body. It replaces your old body. You say, Roger, is that really a miracle? Yeah. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands. Where's this house, this new building, this new body going to be? It's eternal in the heavens. So friends, this verse is a miracle verse. Here's what you need to know. Number one, your old body, your old tent, your old house will be torn down. Now, how many of you here today feel like that's you, that your body is falling apart? Lots of us in this this service are young generation. So you feel like you're kind of invincible, but hear me. There will be a day coming you're going to feel like and look like that house being torn down. Number two, at death, the Bible says you get a new house. Now, friends, I don't know what it's going to look like, but the word here is house. It's a dwelling place. It's a metaphor. At death, the new body replaces your existing physical body. It's an amazing miracle promise. So God promises you what we call, what the Bible calls, a heavenly body. We're going to flesh that out a little bit today. This should motivate you to live well right now. So let's call this the 5-1 promise, 2 Corinthians 5-1. Watch this. Because God loves you, you're going to get a new body not made with earth hands. They're made by God's hands. That's what you're reading here in the text. I want you to look at the reality right now before you get the new body. Watch this. Verse 2. For indeed in this house, that would be your body right now, your earth house, we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. So friends, right now on earth, you will have aches and pains, You will have rejection. You'll have brokenness. Things will not go the way you want them to go. You will want to simply escape. And I'm going to say it as gently as I can. It gets so bad in this body that you feel like taking your life and getting out of it. Friends, listen to me. The aches and the groaning and the pain and the longing is for life to be full. Life to be not with the brokenness, the junk, the, the, the rejection, the hate, the animosity, the bigotry. Why can't we communicate? Why can't we forgive? Why can't we get along? That's what happens in the existing body. It's an amazing thing what's going on here. 
Friends, the groaning here is about what I feel, but it's also this groaning and a longing not to have all of this brokenness. And what are you longing for? You're longing for the fullness of God to be expressed in your life, the full, complete love, the full, complete forgiveness. You're longing for eternity. God did not make your soul your spirit for earth only. He made your soul your spirit for eternity, and God has a bigger purpose for your life than just the time here on this earth. Look at verse 3. Inasmuch as we... We Christians, specifically that's who we're talking about here, having put it on, Paul is thinking, he says, I've got it. I've got this eternal life. I've got life beyond the grave. I will not be found naked. Friends, when you get to the end of your life, some of you will have zero. Some of you will feel naked because you don't believe in Jesus. But if you believe in Jesus, the Bible is saying you will not come to the end of your life and go in the grave and come up empty, naked, zero. You will come up clothed. The second you die, you get a brand new body. Not earth body, but a heaven body. You will not be found naked. You will not be found empty. You will not be found zero. It's an amazing statement. You put on, you don't do it. God does it for you. Friends, listen, why the new body? Why? Why the new body in heaven? Let me, let me try to pull you in a little bit through an earth story. How many of you have heard of Harvard University? It used to start off being a Bible college, a seminary preparing missionaries and pastors. It's not that anymore. Harvard University did a study that lasted for 80 years on people. Not a religious study, but a secular study studying people. And they went out to find what is the key to happiness What is the key to good health? And so they sat on on this longitudinal study for 80 years, studying the same patients for 80 years. The study concluded after 80 years, money did not make them happy and did not give them good health. Status did not. Physical clothes didn't make them happy, really. Physical clothes didn't really help their health. Tools and toys and things really did not make them happy. What they found, the secular study, after 80 years, what is it that makes people happy? And the one word is love. Love. To love and to be loved. To love. The one thing that the essence of happiness is somehow for people to learn to get along with each other. Loving relationships is the greatest life satisfaction key. That's from the secular people. You know that the Bible says that. Jesus said, love one another. You know that Jesus says, I love you because I love you. You love because I first loved you. Friends, listen, the bottom line is you are made to love and to be loved. And you got to do that. That's because you're in the image of God. God himself is love, and God loves to love. 
He made you. He loves you. The Trinity is a relationship where there's love going on in the Trinity. The essence of happiness, the essence, the main key to good health is have loving relationships. Now I ask you, are you loving well? Really? Are you loving your neighbor well? Really? Jesus said, love your neighbors. Jesus said, love your family. Jesus said, love other Christians. Are you loving well? You say, Roger, it's really hard. I know it's hard. Friends, you're going to get a heavenly body someday, so don't give up loving people. It is the essence of Christianity. And if you're married here today, love well. If you're hoping to get married someday, figure out how to do it well. Friends, listen. Look at verse 4. For indeed, while we are in this tent, while I'm on earth in this body, we groan and we're burdened because we do not want to be unclothed. We don't want to come up some zero. We don't want to come up empty at the end of life, but we want to be clothed. We want to have something special. So that what is mortal, what dies, the end, so whatever comes up zero, watch this, will be swallowed up by life. You know what that life is? Eternal life. It's life in heaven. It's life with God. God's not going to leave you zero. When you go to the grave, you can't take anything with you to the grave. But the second you die because you believe in Jesus, you're going to get a new body. Now, think about it. That's a miracle. But we don't think much about it. It's kind of ho-hum. But friends, the the day's going to come. You're going to die. My dad's 93. He's going to die soon. Every human being. It's 100% predictable. Right now, figure it out. You better start loving well. If you don't know how to love well, come ask me. Come ask Pastor Caleb. Come ask one of our pastors. Find a counselor. Find someone that can guide you and coach you how to love better. But you better figure out one aspect of love. And friends, that's called forgiveness. It's the hardest aspect of God's love. It's so hard, friends. He, he puts Jesus on a cross to crucify him. Because he knows we're not going to love well. Love, friends, the component of love that all of us struggle with is forgiveness. It's sad, but it's true. Your mortality will come to an end, and what this verse is simply saying is you're going to experience eternal love like you've never had it before. There's going to be no obstacles. The transformation is going to occur because the transformer has made it happen. There's going to be no hate. Everybody's going to get along. Nobody's going to say, my bad. Nobody's going to say, you're bad. Nobody's going to go on Facebook and write hateful messages. The bigotry's going to stop. It's going to be a whole different ballgame in heaven. Friends, while you're here on earth, who should you be loving well, given the fact that you're going to get a new body and you're going to go to heaven and love God? Who should you love well? You should be loving your friends well. You should be loving strangers well. You should be loving your neighbors well. You should be loving your family well. You should be loving Christians well. But more important than all of that is what the child said just a minute ago. You should be loving God first and foremost at the top of the list more than yourself. 
We are a narcissistic bunch of people. How well are you loving God? Back up every day. Are you loving God well? So let me push just a little bit more. You're going to get someday a heavenly body. Think about it. What's it going to be like? Well, I'll give you a couple of differences between your earth body and your heavenly body. Write this down. No more dying. There's no more death. No more death. Another, number two, there's no more sin. We stop rebelling. We quit breaking laws. Number three, there's no more social dysfunction. No more resentment, no more insecurity, no more jealousy. There's no more law-breaking. There's no more hate. There's no more revenge. There's no more competition. There's no more comparing. Look what they're wearing. Look what they're driving. Look what they're living in. Look at their latest uh, tech tools. There's no more injustices, friends. Get this, the difference between now and your new body, you're going to see Jesus face to face. Today, we just see him a little bit, but you're going to see him 100%. There's no more physical barriers. There's no more physical pains. Now, can I have a little bit of permission to do something that's fun for a minute? How many of you saw the movie Rocky? Sylvester Stallone? He comes out of retirement. He has to box the big guy, right? I'm going to show you a video off of YouTube of a little baby, probably a year old. This little baby, one year old, is imitating Rocky. Roll the tape. Take this! Thanks, Grant. All right, listen, listen carefully. Listen carefully. Here's a teaching moment. If a little baby can imitate Rocky, when you see Jesus face to face, imagine what you're going to do. See, the Bible says, come on, Roger, imitate Jesus right now. If a baby on earth can imitate Rocky right now, you can imitate Jesus. 
You can love people, but you can't love people well if you don't practice forgiveness. We live in a world, friends, it's very, very difficult. People are broken. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you go. I don't care which family you're in. I don't care what marriage you're in. The God of the universe is going to take you all the way to heaven, give you a new body, and what are you going to do in heaven? You're going to love God. You're going to love him for eternity, and he's going to love you. A genius said this, the nearer to Jesus, the nearer to the perfect calm of heaven. The nearer to Jesus, the fuller the heart is. The nearer to Jesus is the greatest peace and joy. When the sun is, what the sun is to the day, what the moon is to the night, what the dew is to the flower, such is Jesus Christ to you. You got to imitate him. What bread is to the hungry, clothing to the naked, the shadow of a great rock to the traveler in a weary land, such is Jesus Christ to you. But friends, you got to come close to Jesus. That means you got to follow him. That means you got to do good deeds in his name the way he wants it done, not the way you want it done. A God, a God, Rosalind said to God. Mr. Tentmaker, it was nice living in this tent when it was strong and the sun was shining and the air was warm. But Mr. Tentmaker, it's scary now. My tent is acting like it's not going to hold together. The poles seem weak and they're shifting in the wind and a couple of stakes have wiggled out from the sand and worst of all, the canvas has a rip. It is scary in this tent, Mr. Tentmaker. Last week I was sent to the repair shop and the repairman tried to patch the rip in my canvas. It did not help much though because the patch pulled away from the edges and now the tear is worse. What troubled me the most, Mr. Tentmaker, is that the repairmen did not seem to notice I was still in the tent. They just worked on the canvas while I shivered inside. I cried out once, but no one heard me. I guess my, real, my first real question is, why did you give me such a flimsy tent? I can see, looking around the campground, that some of the tents are, are much stronger, more stable than mine. Why, Mr. Tentmaker, did you pick a tent of such poor quality for me? And even more important, what do you intend to do about it? The tentmaker responded, O little tent dweller, as the creator and the provider of tents, I know all about you. Never forget, I love you. I made a tent for myself once and lived in it on your campground. My tent was vulnerable too, and some vicious attackers ripped it to pieces while I was still in it. It was a terrible experience, but you'll be glad to know they could not hurt me. In fact, the whole occurrence was a tremendous advantage because it is this very victory over my enemy that frees me to be present to help you. Little tent dweller, I am now prepared to come and live in your tent with you. If you will invite me, if you will follow me, you will learn as we dwell together that real security comes from my being in your tent with you. When the storms come, you can huddle in my arms and I will hold you. When the canvases rip, we will go to the repair shop together and someday, little tent dweller, 
Your tent will collapse, for I've only designed it for temporary use. When it does, you and I will leave together. I promise not to leave before you do. Then free of all that would hinder or restrict, we will move to our permanent home and together rejoice and be glad. Friends, listen, do you believe it or not? See, if you believe this stuff, you will follow, you will obey. Look at verse 5 again. Now, he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us, watch this, the Spirit as a pledge. Write this down, N-B-P, N-B-P. Ladies and gentlemen, look at verse 6. Therefore, being always of good courage, knowing that while we are at home here on earth in this body, we don't have Jesus face to face. He's in heaven. He's, He's absent from us. Watch this. I'm suggesting to you that what you just read is called the 5 6 NBP pledge. You are seeing right here that God is pledging a miracle to you to get a new body on the day that you die. God is going to live within you now. You're going to have the Holy Spirit, and he's going to help you follow what Scripture says. God makes this pledge, friends, long before you believe in God, long before you believe in Jesus. Some of you are figuring this out. We love, write this down, we love because he first loved us. He's at work in our lives. You got to live well, you got to die well, because he loves. Look at verse 5 again. Now, he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a pledge. Look at verse 6. Therefore, being always of good courage, knowing that while we are at home in the body, while we're right here on earth, we don't have God present, we know what's going to happen. Friends, the pledge is clear. The moment you die, you go to heaven. That should motivate you. The moment you die, you go to be with Jesus face to face. Friends, because God loves us, he gives us this amazing pledge. Never forget it. It's a miracle verse. I'm suggesting to you, how big is your faith in God? Write this down. If you want to live well and you want to die well, you're going to have faith in God. You've got to have faith in God. It's not fake faith. If you don't really trust what this scripture is saying, you're going to be a basket case. You're not going to live well. You're going to live poorly. You're going to die poorly. Look with me at verse 7 real quick. For we walk by faith, not by sight. I'm suggesting to you by faith, you take the invisible promises of God. By faith. By faith, you don't Put your trust in what's called the physical. You're putting your faith in the non-physical. I'm suggesting that by faith, you are focused on what you see and touch. No, faith not in what you can see and touch. It's all going to go away. Every person can figure this out. You get 60, 70, 80 years, and then it's all over. I'm saying that's not the way it is with Jesus. Faith not in what you can see and touch. Look at verse 8. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body. I would really like to check out. I would like to get out of this body, and I'd like to go to heaven right now. 
But faith, friends, believes that God has a purpose for you right now on earth. So when you die, the pledge is going to come. He's going to take you to be with Jesus, Alpha and Omega. You're going to have perfect love, perfect harmony, no dysfunction whatsoever. Faith says there is a heaven you cannot see. You got to back up people every day and remember this stuff. Earth you see, heaven you do not. 2 Corinthians 5, 9, watch this. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, if I'm on earth or if I'm in heaven, wherever I'm at, what am I going to do? I'm going to please God. You please God, friends, because he first loved you. So what? write this down. Number four, my time's gone. To live and die for Jesus, it takes one thing. Love. And he's going to tell you how to do it in Scripture. You think you can do it some other way? It won't work some other way. God didn't design people that way. He designed people to love his way. People have to figure it out. They get uh, all kinds of challenges in life, and then they back up. Oh, oh, I got to forgive. Yeah, if you want to do something well, you're going to have to practice forgiveness. 2 Corinthians 5, 6, watch this. Therefore, being always of good courage, knowing that while we're at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. I am suggesting to you number five. If you want to live and die for Jesus, you're going to have to do good deeds. That's love people. Uh, Jamie stood up here and she's talking about loving people she doesn't know with boots in the house. Friends, there are people all around this world that need your love. Their neighbors need it. Your family needs it. Your marriages need it. You're going to have to understand. You got to step up and do good deeds. That's the motivation here. Look at verse 10. One more verse. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed, rewarded for the deeds done in the body on earth according to what he or she has done. Watch this. You're going to be evaluated. You're going to be judged by Jesus, called the Bema Seat. The good stuff is going to be judged, and the bad stuff is going to be judged. That's why Jesus said to Peter, do you love me, Peter? Come on, do you love me? Now, you can act like God. You can step up and say there is no God. But I'm telling you, at death, everybody is going to face God. Now, I take it by faith, you're going to have to decide how you take it. I take it that the Bible is true, the Bible is not a book full of lies. There is a judgment. Now, friends, you can go the grace way, the mercy way, or you can just sit and fight with God forever and ever. 3,400 years ago, Deuteronomy 6, 5, 3,400 years ago, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 3,400 years ago. And when we do this, life is better. When we practice the forgiveness of God, life is better. When we do not figure out how to love each other well, how to speak the truth in love, it all falls apart. 1,500 years after this verse, or 2,000 years ago, the question was asked to Jesus, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? 
And the teacher Jesus said to him, the questionnaire, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. All your heart, Roger. All your soul. All of everything inside that's invisible. And with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. Roger, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is amazing. This is transformational. This is how people learn to get along. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Actively loving. There's a sign right there. I'm looking at it. It says, love God, love people. It's active. Every one of us need to be practicing every day a host of good deeds, being kind to people, strangers, neighbors, family, relatives, etc., You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Friends, 3,400 years ago, it's not going to change. You will go to your grave and that verse will still be the transformation miracle key to your happiness. Harvard found it out. Harvard University, a secular organization, found out by loving people, life is much, much better. But we're bad at loving people. Learn to get good at loving people. Jesus said this, how do you love others? Watch this. Jesus said, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Friends, when you love, you will be rejected. When you love, people will call you a bigot. When you love, people will want more. When you love, people will stomp on you. When you love, people will say, you're not doing it right. Listen to me. Keep on loving. I don't know any other way around it. The people in my life, like my dad, he loves me. He knows my list of sins, and he keeps loving me. My mom knows my list of sins, and she keeps loving me. How does she do it? How does my dad do it? Answer, he forgives me. The hardest thing for life, all of us, wherever you're going, we just have a hard time with that word forgiveness because we want to qualify it with all kinds of exceptions. I understand abuse. I understand all kinds of challenges. But at the end of the day, if your heart is breaking, speak the truth. How? In love. It doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. But you're going to come back to the Word of God and say, the Word of God is true. Watch this. A wise person said this, and I close. When God helps you, he doesn't just snap his fingers so it happens instantly. When God helps you, he helps you incrementally. When God wants to make a mushroom, he takes six hours. But when God wants to make an oak tree, he takes 60 years. Do you want to be a wishy, mushy, wimpy mushroom? Or do you want to be a strong, healthy oak tree? Friends, This is just the way it is. It's not going to change. I can't give you, no therapist can give you an instant success formula. Love well. Live well. Die well. Bow your heads, please. God, I say thank you for what Scripture says. Uh, Teach me to 
love others like Jesus loved others, that is such a seemingly at times an impossible task. With every head bowed, maybe you're here and you're willing to say, Pastor, pray for me that I would love others better. If that's for you, would you just lift up a hand and say, Pastor, pray for me? Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Don't do it my way. Do it Jesus' way. Love the way Jesus wants us to love. With every head bowed, this Jesus loves you so much, he climbs up on a cross willingly, is crucified and buried, and he's resurrected. That takes faith to believe that he died on a cross. Friends, the Bible is very clear. If you believe in that story of Jesus Christ, you will receive a new body when you die. If you don't, you won't. God, I ask that you would give us the ability to believe the Bible is true, that it's got the answers that the best scientists, the best researchers can't seem to figure it out, but they always come back to the Bible. Maybe you would like to just simply acknowledge that you believe in Jesus. Would you for just a moment... If you've never told Jesus you believe in him, would you do it right now? Just, just tell him. Jesus, you're really hard to understand. Sometimes I just don't get it. But I believe what you did on the cross was right. You died for me. You died for all of us. You take the punishment and we get heaven we get forgiveness. I recognize you as my God, as my Savior. I'm a sinner, I'm broken, and you died for me. Teach me to follow you. With every head bowed, if you had that private talk just now with Jesus, would you signal to me, just lift up a hand? Thank you, thanks, thanks. Appreciate that, thank you, thanks. Just lift the hand up once. Around the age of 12 is when I first believed. And everybody's got to do it for themselves. God, may we be people that follow you. And all God's people said... 